Hello, and welcome to the Spoonie Authors Podcast, a podcast where we explore the lives and stories of disabled authors, with episodes coming out on the final Friday of every month. I'm your host, Diana Gunn, and joining us today is Julie Voland. Julie Voland is a disabled writer living in Northwest Ohio, with her husband, four cats, and one corgi named Sir Reginald. Excellent name. She loves writing Kidlet and has completed three YA novels and one spooky middle grade. When not reading, writing, or querying her work, you can find her playing Dragon Age for the hundredth time or inventing new ways to torture her sims. Hello, Julie! Hello, Diana. Thank you so much for having me on here. Thanks for joining us. I'm really excited to have you, and I'm very excited for you to share your work. So can we start with uh, your novel, Bitter Magic? Yes. Bitter Magic is a dark YA fantasy about a disabled, ruthless ex-assassin named Moira. She's left killing behind to open her own bakery, and she's grown close to the street kids that run the city. She calls them her gremlins. She's fed and clothed them, even taught some of the leaders the right way to steal and profit off of information. Whispers of missing people and magic returning are running rampant through the gossip mill, but Moira doesn't believe any of it, continuing to bake in blissful ignorance. When she's hired to make a showpiece cake for the grand ball put on by the king and queen, she recruits the gremlins and Rosalie, a stunning no-nonsense server from the local pub for assistance, including her favorite little guy, Chester, giving him the biggest, most important job of taste tester. When an explosion happens during the ball and Chester disappears, Moira reconsiders her doubt about those rumors regarding the disappearances through the kingdom. But magic returning, she still doesn't believe in that. What she does believe in, though, is fear and steel, killing her way to the culprit that stole Chester away. And in doing so, she learns the other rumor is also true and uncovers a diabolical plot to return full-blown magic to the world. So Moira must embrace her vicious past to rescue her favorite gremlin before all she's worked for is destroyed. Amazing. I love everything about it, honestly. Thank you. What inspired you to write this book? Well, I fell in love with the idea of a girl who's trained to be ruthless, but couldn't stop dreaming of cupcakes and frostings and yummy things. So I pictured her like stalking her next victim or next target, um, all while thinking about, ooh, that chocolate frosting might be good on that flavor cupcake. I love it. But I also didn't want the typical assassin, like she's trained for years since she was a kid, um, so I wanted that to take a toll on her body, which is something you don't typically see in these assassin stories. So, you know, her joints are a mess. She needs wrist braces to stir the batter for all her confections. And there's definitely no magical cure either. I didn't want to see that, didn't want to write it. Yeah, that makes sense. So what was the, the biggest challenge uh, of writing this book, working with this character? It's a very unique setup you have. The biggest challenge was most like tying up all of her loose ends. She's really clever. Um, So she has a huge secret, um, one that drives everything she does. So I had to keep her secret in mind every single scene um, because it's, it's the whole reason that it drives her the entire time. That makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, the logistics, you know, writing through flares and brain fogs. 
Um, there were times where I would write and forget the scene I wrote the previous day, so I'd have to go back and read and reread just to make sure that me and Moira were on the same page, yeah. especially on those bad pain days. It was easy to be ruthless. Yeah, you say she's very clever. Is she smarter than you? Because that can be a real challenge. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely think she is. She She has a million different little plots going at any given time, and for me let's just get through the day. She, But she definitely is able to figure it all out and run a bunch of games at the same time. Sounds lovely. Uh, so you are in the query trenches right now. Can you talk a little uh, bit about what that's like and how you deal with that specifically while being disabled? Yeah, querying's rough, you know, for, for everybody, no matter what. Um, but especially with COVID, and being disabled, it's added a new urgency for me. Like, oh man, I have to hurry up and find an agent. Like it's always feels like it's racing against the clock. Um, like I'm constantly pushing, you know, constantly querying, writing, revising something, but you have to take time, especially during COVID, especially during a pandemic, you have to make time for that self-care and that recuperation. Because if a rejection rolls in, whether it's on a query, on a partial, on a full, you have to allow yourself that space to kind of grieve before you can move on. Yeah. I think that's really important too. And I think a lot of us disabled authors, you know, we've, we've learned how to work around our disability, but now we also have this layer of pandemic exhaustion and we have no idea what to do with it. Or is that just right. me? No, no, definitely not just you. I feel the same way, but luckily it seems, you know, agents, editors, and publishers, it seems like they're all dealing with the same kind of what do we do now type thing. Um, so at least that's some kind of solace that it's, I don't feel as alone, um, especially with the pandemic and all the virtual events. I've, you know, grown my writer group of friends even more because now it's okay to go to these virtual hangouts and signings and everybody's doing it instead of it being just an accommodation. Yeah, I think that that's definitely something a, a lot of us are thinking about, especially now that there are vaccines and things on the horizon is what will things look like? How accessible will things be going forward? Will all of these accommodations that were made for abled people still be made after the pandemic? Right. I, yep. I've actually just talked to somebody that suffers from migraines. That's exactly what we were talking about today is, you know, those accommodations even not just writing related, but even like doctor's appointments where you just have to go in and check in where usually, you know, it took all day to get ready and then you have to drive there. And now I can just pop online and they say, how you doing? Good. Okay. I'll refill your meds. Done. And it's 20 minutes of the day instead of four hours of the day. Yeah. It's so much easier in on so many levels. And I know there are people who are very eager to get back to normal, but I also know lots of people who would like to continue working from home or schooling from home or what have right. you. Right. Yeah, for sure. And not to mention when querying, like whether you get a rejection or you get that full request, you have, you know, your flares to worry about too. Like, you know, your own triggers, Right. So on those days where you get a full request, like for me, I, I'm it's a huge adrenaline rush. So that takes a couple hours to come down from and to like pace yourself to, 
okay, let's get my thoughts together. Let's make sure I'm nice and calm before sending this so I don't, you know, use the wrong name. So you have to think of a bunch of different steps instead of just click and send. You know, it, it really does. You have to bring that energy level down. Your heart rate has to go back to normal before, you know, you click send because you will you will get ahead of yourself. And, you know, that's you have to get back to stasis before you can do anything. Yeah. And, you know, uh, an acceptance or any kind of full request, that is far more exciting than a rejection is disheartening, really. That, yes. that is like... That is like, okay, pause. I might need to, like, go run around the block to get rid of this energy. <laughs> Exciting. Exactly. And and that happens. I mean, I can't run, you know, because of heart stuff. But I, 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 I feel the exact same way. And then the rejections hurt. I mean, obviously, and nobody likes rejections. They're just a fact of this. You just kind of factor that in. So when you do get one of those rejections that take you down, you have to you know, kind of pep talk yourself. That's why it's really important to have, you know, writer friends that understand that even if they're not, you know, spoonies or disabled, they, everybody understands rejection. So building that support group is so important um, because I honestly don't know where I'd be without a few, especially a few of them, a few of my friends that are just like, you know, don't get discouraged, keep going. You really need that in this, in the querying trenches. You need somebody in there with you. Absolutely. You also participated in pitch contests on Twitter. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Oh, yeah, for sure. The pitch contest, writing for them is tough because you have to sum up your entire book in 280 characters. Um, and that's including the hashtags and the actual pitch it itself, whether it's PitMad or um, SFF Pit, whatever. So you have to kind of sum up everything. And for me, like with Bitter Magic, I want to make sure in those 280 characters, I get the point across that this is a chronic pain story of an assassin. So you have to get all that in and it, you have to really be interactive that day. So it's exhausting for me because, you know, there are people that you, re you retweet, you talk to people, you make friends. It's still fun no matter what. But it's an exhausting day because you have to be right on top of it. You know, if you can post a tweet every four hours or three a day, then you have to be right up on it. Um, and it's nice to build the community. And when you get that agent like, oh, that is just pure adrenaline, pure bliss. You're like, oh, yes, this might be the one. And you're you're ready. You're ready to go. But even for me, on those days, I, I cannot send the requested materials that day because it takes recuperation after, you know, being online for at least a few hours that day and just solid. So I always wait for at least a day, maybe the next morning, the next day to send the materials just to come down and kind of calm myself down because I don't want to get excite myself into a flare either. Yeah. And I, I think that's completely reasonable. I'm sure the editors and agents participating in these things are just as overwhelmed as you are, if not more so, by the end of the day. So I, I think that uh, waiting period is probably good for everyone involved. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I've actually asked a couple times, you know, hey, you, you liked this a couple days ago during the pitch contest. Is it okay if I send it to you next week? Most of them are. I, I've never heard no, absolutely not. They're always like, yeah, sure, send it on whenever you're ready. So <laughs> never had a negative experience for that. Yeah, that is awesome. So what advice would you give to other disabled writers who are, you know, wrapping up their first novel and potentially looking at submitting to publishers and agents for the first time? Be patient. Um, This is a game of patience. And if there's one thing that I have learned with my disability is we're always in limbo, Um, whether it's waiting for a diagnosis, waiting for test results. Get used to that limbo because that's just another aspect of your life that you're going to be in that limbo. Um, Don't rush it. Make sure you find find that group, find that cheerleader that you can exchange first pages, first chapters with. um, Because that's really important to have. You don't want to turn something into an agent where there's a typo on the very first page. Um, So you want to make sure that it's polished and as perfect as you can get it before you send it out um and just make sure to to have that buddy or two um because they will come in handy for even beta reading for venting they're so important and also keep sharing them keep writing like don't don't get discouraged because like i said earlier rejections are a part of this um but your stories are needed the the stories from disabled points of view, they're so desperately needed and just casual representation can do so much um, for somebody with your disability or with your condition. And, you know, a kid reading, especially in kid lit, Hey, that person has pots or that person has, um, you know, scoliosis, anything like that. It's so, it's such an amazing feeling to be able to do that and to bring that to the world. So keep sharing them, even if you're discouraged. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. The the first thing you mentioned is patience, which obviously is a huge part of it and also why I'm self-published. Uh, <laughs> but it never occurred to me, I guess, you know, a lot of disabled folks have actually trained really well for this because we spend all these years in limbo waiting for diagnoses. It's it's good practice for querying. It is. It really, really and I call it my, my second limbo because it's, You know, when you're getting a diagnosis, when you're going for testing, all the stuff we have to deal with literally all the time, it's it's just transferred over that that patience you feel. And especially if you get those venting buddies, take vent to them. That's what they're for, you know, and especially spoony ones. Uh, They're just they're worth their weight in gold. Where would you recommend people go to find this community? Do you have any suggestions? Where did you find yours? I found mine actually on Twitter during pitch contests. Um, there was also one recently called Writer Teen where they, it's you put hashtags about what your story was. Um, and, you know, there's constantly things like that, like find a CP, find a beta reader. Um, but this one, you posted what your story was about. And with a couple hashtags, so then they knew what you were looking for. Were you looking for a beta reader? Uh, Were you looking for an alpha reader? Were you looking for a critique partner or just a cheerleader? And you could, you know, put that in the post. And I actually, I made sure to write that mine has disability rep. So somebody found me saying, hey, I have the same condition. I'd love to read your pages. 
So it's putting yourself out there when you do see these these events going on. It's nerve wracking, I know, but you will find, you know, people that want to read your story through them. So if you see these events going on and you're anxious, I understand I'm right there with you, but put yourself out there and you will find a a friend or maybe two, three, who knows. But the one that I found now, um, she's reading my stuff. I'm reading hers and we go back and forth and we're support people for each other because we have the same condition. It just happened that way. So I've been really lucky. Just put yourself out there and you will also, it will happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I do want to add uh, for our listeners that there is actually a Spoonie authors chat that happens most Sundays at 1 p.m. EST. Uh, the hashtag is Spoonie Auth Chat. Uh, that is Spoonie A U T H Chat. And uh, that is a really great way to connect with other disabled writers if people in the audience would like to do that. Uh, that is run by the Spoonie Authors Network, which uh, this podcast is part of. So, yeah, it's a great community, and we are always welcoming new faces. That is awesome. All right, Julie, where can people go to find out more about you and your work? And maybe some agents listening to this can email you. <laughs> well, I do have a website. It's just julievolan.com. It's just general. Um, but you can find me on social media. Um, and I'm lady at Lady Vo on Twitter and Instagram. I'm a lot more active on Twitter. And if you need that Spoonie friend or, you know, Spoonie author friend, I always love making new Spoonie author friends. So do not hesitate to reach out to me. Awesome. And just to clarify, uh, for people who are wondering, Voland is spelled V-O-H-L-A-N-D. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Julie. It's been lovely and good luck with all of your projects. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. This was really fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Spoonie Authors Podcast. The Spoonie Authors Podcast is part of the Spoonie Authors Network, a community initiative devoted to sharing the stories of disabled authors and educating abled people about what life is like for disabled creatives. Transcripts of this podcast are also available on the Spoonie Authors Network. To learn more or become a contributor, visit SpoonieAuthorsNetwork.blog. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast streaming platform.